0: Well, I wasn't feeling real well, so I figured, hey, I got an excuse to push it off a week. (laughs) Uh, But no, the Lord is gracious and very thankful to be here. Thankful to preach this passage. Really looking forward to it. Um, All the wives in the room say, why are you looking forward to preaching this passage? because of the gospel. You'll see as we go along. Uh, Thank you for your prayers. Uh, I did not get to defend my dissertation this week. It will be two days before I graduate when I defend it. So um, finished the rough draft though and worked a lot and thankful for the TMS library. That is an amazing place. Uh, Got to Uh, use it this week, so I was very thankful, and heard some good messages, too, along the way, so thank you, church, for praying for us. All right, a Christ-exalting home doesn't always have only believers in it. In fact, a Christ-exalting home can only have one true believer and still be a Christ-exalting home. Today, we're going to see what a Christ-exalting home looks like. Over the next couple of weeks, we are going to explore this passage from 1 Peter 3, 1 to 7. And yes, I'm not going to zoom through it and do all of it in one time. Um, we're going to take our time and go through this. I think it's important in light of our society and our culture and all the things that we know and all the bad things that we've been taught for us to get a biblical view of marriage what it looks like. I can say with certainty that these passages should challenge every one of us in the room. If you're single, the attitudes revealed in this passage won't turn on like a water faucet when you get married. That's very important for you to understand... There are opportunities for you to practice these disciplines towards authorities in your own life and seek the glory of Christ in your present context, even if you're not married. Uh, probably every married person in here would testify that they could have been more prepared for marriage. Would you all agree with that? Yeah, so single people, please don't check out over the next couple of weeks as we go through this. It is going to be really, really... Informative, and I think it will encourage you uh, to work in some certain areas. Take these messages as a call to get ready. Submission to authority is a call for everyone, not just some of us. I have an opportunity to do a lot of marriage counseling in our church. I'm convinced biblical counseling is the only way to go. That is to use the scriptures and let the scriptures be the thing that inform us. So, over the next couple weeks, I'm going to bring the counseling room to the pulpit. I want to encourage all of you to be good Bereans. Uh, I, like in Acts 17, I want you to study what I say and look at the passages. And if the passages say this, then this is what we have to go with, right? Study these passages and see what the Bible requires for the Christian home and those who are in it. Like I said, we're going to do the... or like Mark said, we're going to do a Q&A today, tonight at 6... Uh, I'm fairly sure you might have some questions on the sermon. Uh, You're welcome to write these down as we go along. Uh, I'm going to, at one point, list out some questions that come to your mind. Uh, Some of those I will answer and others I won't. So I'm even going to give you some questions for you to ask us. But over the next couple weeks, we're going to examine this gospel-centered home. We're going to let the Bible answer our questions regarding what a Christ-exalting home looks like. This counsel is from the Word, and it's often opposite of the world's counsel. You'll understand that. The world's going to tell you the opposite of this. I had opportunity, and I'll mention this maybe in a little bit, to read some of the liberal commentators on this passage. I, I usually don't buy liberal commentaries. Uh, You understand what I mean by that, those that don't believe that this is the authoritative word of God. But at TMS, they have all of it so that you can see what both sides are. I don't usually buy liberal scholars, but I got to read some. And it was very interesting that they just bought into the world's lies. And they taught the scripture in these passages and explained these passages through our wrong context or the worldly thinking. They use uh, philosophy and they use modern psychology to try to interpret these passages. Today, we're not going to do that. You understand. I'm not going to use philosophical arguments. I'm not going to use psychological arguments. I'm not going to do any of that. This is what God says about the marriage relationship. This is it. This is what we're going to go with. We don't want our opinion. You don't want my opinion. You don't want the world's opinion. You want what God's word says, right? And so we're going to try to figure out exactly what he said in his original context, and we're going to go with that and see what the Lord does. It is my goal to tell you what the original meaning of the text said about these issues. What was Peter's divinely... ...and husbands? I will seek to apply how this looks in our present context... And this is a hotly debated topic right now of how do passages apply in our context. Well, I will give you one principle that I'm going to try to stick to. And here it is. You ready? When it comes to application, I'm going to try to stick with what the original meaning would allow for. Do you understand what I mean by that? I'm not going to try to take this passage and make it apply a certain way so that you like what I say. Okay? That means that I'm probably going to say some things, no, I'm I'm sure of it, that will step on everybody's toes in the room. Because my goal is not to tell you what you want to hear. My goal is to be faithful to what the passage says and to apply it accurately with what it says. Okay? It would be real easy for me to go along with those, those liberal scholars and make this thing, and everybody would walk out of here, oh, this is great, no problem. Mutual submission, that's where we're at, okay? But the Bible doesn't say that, and I can't get there. I have to go with what it says. I'm going to walk down through this text, and we're going to ask questions of the text, and in order to help us to explain exactly what a Christ-exalting marriage and home looks like. So let's do it. Let's start with this first question. What is the foundation what is the foundation for a gospel centered home Now it's almost comical the question I ask here because I'm almost positive everybody in the room could answer the question because it's in the question <laughs> What is the foundation for a gospel centered home Answer the gospel This is the most important thing of this whole section. The gospel is the focus of the passage. MacArthur, in his sermon on Friday night, his last sermon, made this following point in in, in his sermon. He said this, Our sanctification is directly related to how well we pursue knowing and enjoying the glory of Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. Our sanctification is directly related to how well we pursue knowing and enjoying the glory of Jesus Christ. What's that mean? Let me give it simple. Our lives and how they reflect the holiness of God and reflect Him is directly related to how well we pursue Jesus. And how well we know Him. And how we know, well we know the gospel. The more we know the gospel, the more we love God, and the more we then live for God. We exalt Him. How many of you want to be sanctified? How many of you want to look holy? Okay, well, here's the key. It's not necessarily pursuing uh, what are the do's and don'ts for you. It's more important you pursue knowing Jesus more and understanding the gospel more. Because if you know and understand the gospel more, when it comes to doing what you're supposed to do, it's going to be a privilege. It's going to be what you want to do. You're always going to do it, and you're going to do it with joy. This is crucial. Even for wives, be subject to your own husbands. The gospel is the foundation of a Christ-exalting home. This truth is clearly repeated in this verse. Where is it repeated? Well, I'll give you a hint. It's the first word. Look at the first word. By the way, I'm going to be using the ESV for a couple of weeks. Nobody panic. I want to see how it goes. We're going to be in the ESV. Likewise. Likewise. The truth is clearly repeated there. Likewise is repeated in verse 1, and then it's repeated again in verse 7. It can be translated in a similar way. To be like what was previously stated. To be like the gospel. To be like the gospel because the gospel was found in verses 21 to 25, wasn't it? That was what was just talked about. Likewise is very similar to verse uh, 21. Look over at verse 21. Remember, he was talking to servants. Peter was. And he says in verse 21, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. And then he goes on to present the gospel and explain it to them. So, servants are supposed to follow Jesus' footsteps and follow the gospel. Look like the gospel. Look like Jesus. Follow in his footsteps. The same thing is what happens in three one. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. The passage is one of the most attacked passages, this passage, is one of the most attacked passages in the Bible over the last 50 to 100 years. Our society absolutely hates the word submission. That's a fact. They hate that word. Submission is considered, morally, evil. What the world calls good is actually evil. And what the world calls evil is actually good. If you talk to the normal person on the street, just ask them, what do you think of wives submitting to their husbands, what do you think they're going to say? You're old, you're ancient, you're outdated, you're a fool. That's what the average person's going to say. Wives submitting to their husbands is evil, is what the world says. But the Bible, on the other hand, says what? The exact opposite. It says, listen to this, it's just like the gospel. It's just like the gospel. Jesus submitted to unfair, unkind, and wicked men, didn't he? We saw that last week when we went through this passage. This is the heart of the gospel, beloved. The world hates it. They hate Him, and they hate what He calls us to do. No one likes to be told that they should submit, right? Does anybody like that? Well, yes, if we're in Christ. But outside of Christ, nobody likes that. It is not something anybody signs up for on their own. That's why it takes a heart change, doesn't it? takes the born again takes God doing a work in our lives to cause us to want to submit Jesus is worthy of because though his limitless grace that he's provided to us all of us have been died for, those who believe in Him. He died for us. He loves us. And so now we want to surrender. We want to follow Him. We want to die to self. And we want to serve Him. And we want to do whatever He wants us to do. Right? All believers. That's us. I think we all come to passages like this. And we want to find every excuse we can to not follow Jesus. We try very hard to eliminate the likewise. If we could just take verse 1 and scribble out that first word, we'd be just fine. But beloved, that first word is the important word. It's the gospel that causes us to obey this. I found, like I said, this desire to avoid the heart of the gospel in some of the commentaries. These are some very smart people. They can tell me the Greek and they can explain everything and how it fits. But they had to come to the place where they understood something. They said, this is what it definitely meant when Peter wrote it. But it doesn't apply that way to us today. That's crucial. That's how the liberal gets around all of this. He says, in effect, he says, look, this is what it used to mean. But today, our context is different, so you don't have to obey this. It doesn't fit. That's what the liberal says. You know, there's a huge problem with this. You know what the huge problem is? These roles were established at creation. They were. And even Peter brings it up. Look at verse 6. We'll talk about this later, but verse 6. He brings in context... To show that this is a cross-cultural, throughout all of time, fact. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Beloved, he went back 2,000 years (laughs) and made the point, what? That this has always been, this is the way it is. The same is true for us. You have to understand, folks, the world doesn't like it, and they're going to do everything they can to eliminate it. But we have to embrace it. and We have to submit to it. They argue for a modern reading of the passage. They advocate for reading the passage in our modern-day context. But they literally ignore the main tie to the gospel in the very beginning of the verse. Listen, if we eliminate the role of wives established at creation, we actually rob our wives of an opportunity to share the gospel in our homes. Did you hear that? I'm going to say it again. Listen closely. If we eliminate the role of wives established at creation... We actually rob our wives of an opportunity to share the gospel in their homes. God did this. He did this to give opportunity for women to show off Jesus to their homes. That's the point. I know in this room, I'm probably preaching to the choir a little bit. Most of you agree with what I'm telling you. But I think you need to understand that these settings and this is what is going to be the attack on you. And I want to warn you that as you watch TV and you watch uh, movies and things that you see out in the world, you're going to be attacked in this. They're going to tell you that your identity is not found in submitting to your wife. Your identity is you ruling over him or being equal to him and all of you sharing everything. Do you understand? They're going to tell you the opposite. And so what are they going to do? They're trying to rob you of the glory of the gospel in your life. I'm not going to let them do that. I'm going to tell you what the scriptures say and call you to find your role and enjoy it. Take joy in this. Beloved, do you understand the gospel compels us to a life of submission? sacrifice, and sometimes even suffering. The Gospel of Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said it, beloved, pick up your cross, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. That's what he said, right? That implies he's gonna die, but we're gonna follow him to his death. And we do that by sacrifice, by suffering, and by submission. Our one understanding or our understanding of who Jesus is and what Jesus did calls us for, to radical, radical differences in our lives. Just because our society says wives shouldn't submit to their husbands today, this does not mean we can ignore these roles established by God from creation. The way we live out who Jesus is and what he did is by accepting the Father's roles for us. Just like he did. Is it popular to say Christian wives should submit to their husbands? No. Is it culturally acceptable for us to say, Please, ladies, walk in your role that was established for you from ancient times and be like the ladies of ancient times? Is that popular for us to say? No. It's not culturally acceptable. We are outcasts. This is offensive talk to the world. In fact, if I just read this passage, just read it and stopped and didn't do seven especially, just read one through six, guess what would happen? In some settings, I would probably be mocked, shamed, maybe even beaten, shouted down. It's a fact, right? But this is what the word says. Is this calling impossible? Absolutely it's impossible. How do I know? Because I know my heart. And I know how sinful I am. And I'm a believer, a saved man. And my poor wife lives with me. Is it impossible? Yes, but here's the wild thing. He's talking about unbelieving husbands. (laughs) Submit to unbelieving husbands. That's even harder, isn't it? And all the women in the room that have saved husbands go, sure am glad that's not me, right? It's important to note, in many ways, men are confused in their own roles also because of the feminist movement over the past 50 years. We are making, and I know I'm going to be accused of things. It's probably going to show up on a blog post somewhere. We are making wimpy men who have no courage. Men who do not know how to step up and provide for and protect their wives and families. And God has commanded us to do this. When are we going to avoid the world's lies and step up and be men for God's glory and lead like men are supposed to do? Women have absolutely no problem with submitting to God-fearing men that lead with grace and gentleness and respect. And all the women in this room probably know this, don't you? No problem following a man that loves and honors God. We can't allow the world to dictate to us how we interpret and apply passages like this. We can't allow our feelings to dictate how we interpret and apply passages like this. We must take the Bible for what it says in its original context and respond in ways that glorify our Savior. So let's move to the next word in the text. (laughs) Yes. It says wives. (laughs) What's the next question? So who gets the privilege of submission in suffering like Jesus? Answer? Wives do. These wives particularly that had unbelieving husbands. Wives and husbands also have responsibility in light of the gospel, as we'll see in a little bit, or in a couple of weeks, in verse 7. But for now, the attention is on the wives. It is important to note, and I want you to note this. This is very important, especially some of the single ladies in the room. I want you to get this. Listen closely. It does not say this. It does not say women submit to men. Doesn't say that. It does not say fiancés submit to their future spouse. It does not say if you're dating a, a guy, you should submit to him. Does not say that. Women should never be, it also does not say that women should never be a man's boss. It doesn't say that. If you're a woman and you're a a, a boss of a man, this passage is not telling you stop. The passage also does not say, wives, submit to your in-laws. Did you hear that one? That's a pretty important one, isn't it? It also doesn't say, wives, submit to your parents. That's pretty important too, isn't it? It clearly states, "Wives, be subject to your own husbands." If we have male chauvinists running around this church trying to tell ladies what to do all the time, that's a problem. And men, if you have a, another man telling your wife what to do and doesn't have that authority, guess what you're supposed to do? You listening? No, not punch him. No, no, no. no. I know what you meant, but that's not what you do. You go to them in private and you say, Brother, that is my wife. It is not your responsibility to tell her what to do. If you want to talk to my wife or you want something said to my wife, you need to come to me first. I am her protector. Do You understand? That's what we're supposed to do. Men don't tell each other or other women what to do. It says clearly, wives be subject to the God-given authority in your life, your husband. Wives be subject to your own husband. Wives are exhorted to, notice, submission to their husband, not another husband. Wives are called to submit to their own husband. And wives are called here, look at it closely, to submit to even unbelieving husbands. Now, at this point, the natural is we need to warn you. And what would be the warning? Don't marry an unbelieving husband. Why? Because you may find yourself submitting to somebody that is going to cause your life to be absolutely miserable. Okay. At the same time, as we see from this passage, Peter comes in and these ladies obviously got saved. And what happened? They were already married to men that were unbelievers. So he's now talking to them and explaining to them, how do you live with this horrible situation? What do you do? Well, notice it says, even if some of them do not obey the word even if some of them do not obey the word well the even if is very crucial here even if is very important why is that important well it's important because it says that the submission of wives to their husbands applies to all circumstances but if there is a husband that is an unbeliever the wife should still submit to that husband do you understand so both categories are included here and as we all know, even the saved husbands, and all of the hit saved husbands in the room are going to say amen when I finish this statement. I'm prepping you. Even the saved husbands sin and demonstrate a level of unbelief in their sin regularly, don't we, gentlemen? Okay. So, living with us and submitting to us can sometimes be What? Painful, hard. If you want some sources, check out my wife. She'll give you one. Every husband is waiting for the redemption of our bodies. All of us long to be separated from these bodies of death. Where we will then treat our wives like Christ treated us. We want to love our wives, don't we men? Help us, Lord. So once again, probably a thousand questions are starting to come to your mind. Do you have them yet? Questions like these. Do I submit always? Even when he asks me to sin. Or even when he is sinfully asking me to do something. This is a good one. What do I mean by that? Oh, I hear this regularly. I know what he was thinking in his heart. He wanted me to do this because of his, and he had this bad motive in his heart. She thinks, and therefore she says, I can't do that. I will tell you, ladies, you need to be very careful of that. We'll talk about that as we go along. Or, should we submit, even if my husband knows better and is still expecting me to cooperate with it? He knows I don't like to do that. Why would he continue to ask me to do that? Should we submit to that? Can a lady ever speak up? Do I just have to be a doormat every second of the day? Do we have to accept him beating us? Do we have to accept him hurting the children, beating the children? What level of hurting the children is the wife supposed to put up with? Y'all, have these questions, they're legit questions, aren't they? There are absolutely a million scenarios, aren't there? So, what do we do? Sister, listen to me closely. I believe there are some guidelines that we can follow to help answer these questions. First and foremost is if your husband is commanding you to sin, that you are not required to obey that. If he is requiring you to sin, and it is clear, you are not required to do that. For example, if your husband says, go into that store and steal some potato chips, you should say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. You're going to have to do that on your own, that is not me. I can't do that. If your husband says, let's go worship at a Jehovah Witness church next Saturday, what do you say? No, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I can't do that. Because Jesus is Lord, He is my Lord, I can't go there. At the same time, I must put a caution here for you ladies. We also must be careful of taking wisdom issues and turning them into sin issues. Listen to me closely. Some of y'all are going to probably disagree with me, but let's search the Scriptures and look. For example, how many of you hate debt? I hate debt. That's horrible. The Bible speaks that it's you become a slave to the debtor, right? I think it's a horrific way to put a person into bondage, debt is horrible however if a husband decides to buy a car and go in debt should the wife participate in the activity i believe they should i believe that this is a submission issue you can appeal to him you can call him to these things but these things you should pray you should if he's a christian ask him to pray <laughs> You can do all of those things. But at the end of the day, the husband is the one that's supposed to lead in these financial areas. Now, some of you might think in here, I'm not with you on that one, Mike. Well, make sure you get a husband that agrees with you, ladies, (laughs) on your debt principles. (laughs) Another thing to check if you're single, right? The good news for you, ladies, if you seek the Lord and trust the Lord... And your husband blows it, he will stand before the Lord with his decision. He will be the one that has to take the lumps for his unwise decision. That's some, ladies, that should encourage you. Does it encourage you? You're protected to a degree. (laughs) If you're seeking the Lord and you're sitting there in that circumstance and you're trusting the Lord, And he's making an unwise choice like he's getting over in a lane without putting his blinker on. You can say, hey, put your blinker on. It'd probably be good. But after a while, stop. Please don't tell me to put my blinker on. I'm going with this. Now, he's sinning. He's messing up, isn't he? He's putting you in risk. You can appeal, but you have to be careful, ladies, because you run the risk of letting your fear control you. Everybody understand? These are really hard ones, huh? Yes, you can make an appeal just as Esther did. But ultimately, you must understand God very well could have put you in this position so that you would not be rescued from it so that you could show off the glory of God in the circumstance of submitting. So we're probably going to have a packed house tonight for the Q&A, right? I think we all need to recognize that the easy way out is not always the best way. Did you hear me? And because the gospel is our primary motivation, Jesus is who we look to in order to glorify Him in every circumstance. Another important point. God has established governments to put down evil and reward those who do good. Spouse abuse... Real simple. It's evil. It's evil. If you put your hands on your wife, men, and I find out about it, I'm going to call the police on you. If you put your hands on your children, I'm coming to you with several brothers and we're going to have a talk. I'm serious. That's against the law, it's evil. And you should go to jail. Don't put your hands on your wife in an evil way. Do you understand? At the same time, we're gonna balance this. Try to walk this tightrope the whole way. You ready? Verbally raising one's voice at a person is not physical abuse. Okay? It might be verbal abuse, but let's be careful of psychological terms. OK? I believe women can counsel their, even unbelieving husbands out of that kind of talk. I believe in the Bible. I believe the Bible is clear in Proverbs 15:1, when it says, "A gentle answer turns away wrath." But a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay? I also understand that sometimes some guys get just their heads, they are in blatant, obvious sin, and it might you might need to take a break and go for a ride. I understand that. There are times like that. And if you need help, we got plenty of men here in the congregation that are here to help you, right? All right. A warning for men. Listen closely. Do not use this passage as a beat stick for your own sinful control issues. Oh my, how many times in the counseling room have I heard wives say, He always brings out First Peter 3.1. Guys, if you are controlling your wife like that through the scriptures, shame on you. Shame on you. You are not pointing to the gospel. You're pointing to your own control. Does anybody need steel-toed boots now? We're getting everybody, right? Beloved. The scriptures are not meant to be our way to manipulate and control people. The gospel calls us to sacrificially love and live with our wives in an understanding way. If you do, and you do this using the beat stick approach, you might find that the passage really applies to you a little bit more directly. Listen to me. Listen to me and listen close. You might be one of those that's an unbeliever. If you're using the Bible improperly to manipulate and control a person, you might actually be one of the unbelievers. And they might, unfortunately, these ladies might have to submit to the circumstance. The fact of the matter is, you're going to stand before God one day. And I would call you right now to repentance turn to Jesus males who consider themselves better than their wives or as worthy of their position of leadership are worldly men that's why the world's reacted to it half the population is female (laughs) anyone who seeks to dominate his wife for selfish reasons is no better than an unbeliever And that goes both ways, doesn't it? That's what we'll see in in a little bit in this passage. If you dress in a way to seduce or control or manipulate a man, you're doing the same thing. It's not a submissive heart. That's why he brings this up. In fact, they could be an unbeliever too. True biblical leadership is not about being exalted. Did you hear me? It's not about being exalted. True biblical leadership is about exalting Jesus and serving others. Yes, we must lead. But we lead like the one we submitted and we submit to. Jesus, right? We lead like 21 to 25. A second warning for husbands. Husbands, you are obligated to submit to many different authorities also. Bosses, governing officials... Church leaders, we've seen that already in this passage, right? Now, I want you to listen to me closely. This is this was one of those sucker punches that got me. Do you ever find yourself complaining under the authorities that you are under about the authorities that are above you? You know, like the boss that you don't like or the situation in, that you're in, you don't like it and you grumble about it? Do you find... Have you seen your own inconsistencies in this? <laughs> Do you realize that often the very thing that we hate in other people and how they lead is how we what? Lead. Hypocrisy. Again, in a perfect, God-honoring, God-exalting world, all leadership would do it with grace and kindness and gentleness. If you hate authorities above you because they aren't fair, there's a... Listen a better than likely chance that you're like the authority that you hate why don't you know this about yourself i know this about me the things i despise in some people are sometimes the very things that i what hate about myself and the way to get my eyes off of myself is what to rail on others <laughs> in my flesh Beloved gentlemen, listen. I can say, out of all the things, this is what we all have to be careful of. Are we leading like we would like to be led? One of the greatest complaints I hear is, my boss is not fair. The question is, is, are you fair with your your wife? Does your wife actually like submitting to you or do you make her rue when you come home (laughs) oh no he's home time to serve him if it's that way guys woe to us right again I know I'm diving into the realm of application here but uh, this is my opportunity I can't do marriage counseling with every single one of you all the time. We're going to deal with some issues over the next couple of weeks that I want to say in a public area that the scriptures say. Why? Because I can't meet with every one of you. And I wish I could. I wish I could meet with every one of you for seven to ten weeks and we could solve all this. But we have some wrong views. And unfortunately, this group, our group, in our circles, often go to extremes when it comes to the man leading and how he gets that accomplished. We go to the other extreme, which is why there's such a pushback in our society. Very, very important. It does not change the fact, though, that ladies here are called to submit to even husbands that are unbelievers and disobedient to the Word. Okay? I believe our culture and our community are always looking for ways to get out of uncomfortable circumstances. So, ladies, I want to I want to challenge you with something. I want to call you to something. Don't look for the escape hatch. Do you understand what I mean by the escape hatch? The escape hatch is, well, so-and-so does this. Or so-and-so said that. Or Oprah said that. Or... Psychologists say this. Be careful. Those are escape hatches. But you're escaping from something very important that this passage is trying to make the point. And what is it? You're escaping from an opportunity to show the gospel off. Often, when your husband, I know I'm gonna speak as a husband here, listen to me. Often, when your husband calls you to do something and submit to him his motives might not be good at that moment. I admit it. I just admitted it. Okay? Listen closely, though. Listen. Your response, however, either demonstrates the gospel and calls us to repentance or, or what? Enrages us and pushes us even more to stand up and say, Well, I am the husband. That's another way of saying what? Wives, submit to your husbands. Just to get it out there, gentlemen. You use that, you're doing the same thing. I'm the husband. Gentlemen, listen closely. If your wife responds with the gospel, you better fall to your knees quickly fall to your knees and beg God for forgiveness and say thank you Lord for a wife my wife has done some things in my life there are times where I know I shock her occasionally I'll say something to the effect of let's go do so and so let's fly to China or something (laughs) take the whole whole family (laughs) and at first glance it's like what she doesn't say anything though she's gotten over the 20 years she's learned to put up with me And you, you want to know how bad this sermon is guys everybody in here I'm also preaching and my mother and father-in-law are in the room too that's I need grace but she, she will do this she will say okay I see her breathe okay got that have you prayed about that one yet no but I think it's the right thing to do okay (laughs) here comes the cliff (laughs) she doesn't say that but I know she's thinking it (laughs) comes the cliff we're going off (laughs) and she says in a very gracious way well I'm going to pray for you and I'll pray for us I'm gonna pray for my heart to be completely in line with you, and I'll do what you thinks best. And do you understand that? When she says things like that, it's like, uh. <laughs> she she's the Christian right now. I'm acting like the guy in unbelief. It's like. Boom! Right to the heart. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, ladies. Don't do it to manipulate, but literally seek the Lord. Be gracious and submit, and you're going to find that God can work despite your husband. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this word pray, Lord, that as we look over this over the next couple of weeks, we pray that you'll help us to apply these truths and serve you faithfully. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that because of what Christ did, we are able to then submit to authorities even through suffering for your glory and others' good. Help us, Father, now as we serve one another, as we love one another help our lives reflect your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.